If you got a Bible, meet me in Matthew chapter 7. Just two more installments of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been spending our summer on the Mount with Jesus and thinking about what kingdom life looks like, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And it's interesting, if you fast forward to the end of Jesus' life, his final words on the cross were these, tetelestai. And in our language, it literally means it is finished. It is finished. That leaves all of us a choice to make. That leaves every one of us with a choice of where we will put our hope. Hope is important. Hope is what keeps you going in the middle of a pandemic. Can I get an amen in church today? We need hope. (laughs) But if you step outside of pandemic and you look at your life, when you look at the trials and struggles and temptations that come, we need hope that there's somebody greater than what we see in the world, right? The Bible says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That gives us hope. We're told uh, in the New Testament that we are always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. We often confuse being able to answer every apologetic question with hope. We're not told to answer everybody's questions. God can do that. He's very capable. (laughs) We're told to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And so when Jesus was on that cross and he said, it is finished, we're left with a choice. We can choose to put our hope in Jesus and what he has done for us, or we can choose to put our hope in what we can do for Jesus. Do you understand the difference? Neither party would say, I can get saved all by myself. We're aware of that. We know that's not true. But the outworking of why you do what you do as a Christian really matters. The motivation, the hope that is within you. It sounds like a no-brainer. And it is. I mean, if I was to go around the room and ask every one of you or come online and and chat with each one of you, and I would ask you, which one do you want to (laughs) be? We would all say, of course, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But in our experience, maybe you've grown up in church your entire life and you understand this idea of to-do list Christianity. That once you're saved, there is all these things that you must do to be sanctified. This try harder mentality. And we're led to the depressing place that Paul found himself in Romans chapter 7, right? I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. And that was Paul. That was was St. Paul the Apostle. How are you going to do it if he can't do it? He got to write books of the Bible. (laughs) We didn't. Right. And then Jesus comes as we've been studying in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect. Now you're out. 
You might have thought you could keep up with Paul, but now you're out because you are not the heavenly father. So we've been looking at that. And why would Jesus say something like that? Because here's the looming question. And this is the question my wife would ask me. (laughs) Is this question. But doesn't that produce lazy Christians? And that's such an important question to think about. Because if you read the word, there is tons of things that say, do this, don't do that. So that's an important question. And I would say the answer to that is no. But I want to explain why. Because knowing, actually better yet, believing that all the results are dependent on God and his work and not mine moves me not to sit back and do nothing. But when I truly understand that I love because he first loved me, it moves me to press in and serve needing nothing in return. And that is this otherworldly, this outside of yourself, this kingdom come reality, this kingdom over everything reality that only those who are truly adopted into the family of God can carry out. Because if you're not, if you do not know Jesus or if you do know Jesus and you're trying to work for him instead of allowing him to work through you, you will get burned out. Many of you have been there. You've done that. You've been burned out. I've been burned out trying to do it on my own. Because Jesus is clear, isn't he? All through his word. Anyone who desires to live a godly life, Paul told Timothy, will suffer persecution. So this is not about being easy. It's actually very difficult. Jesus spends a significant time telling people, hey, If you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood because that's not weird. I mean, even 2000 years ago, that's weird, right? But what's he doing? He's bringing people back to this reality that following him is not easy. But this is important for us to wrap our minds around because Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount here gets razor sharp clear on who's in and who's out. And it's the most important question In the kingdom of God. And I think the answer might surprise you. I think the answer might surprise you. But if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 13 with me. We just last week looked at the golden rule. And the way that Jesus presented it differently than the world around him. You can catch that on our podcast or YouTube if you missed it. But it's an important segue into what we're about to look at. Because Jesus says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. Everything's summed up in that. And then we come to this in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. If you like to write in your Bible or take notes, just off to the side, I wrote... With me in control. That's what life looks like with me in control. Wide is the gate. Easy is the path. That leads to destruction. 
But that's where most people find themselves, Jesus says. The path of least resistance. Verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I put a note out next to that. That's when God is in control and not me. And then an interesting shift here, right? He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty clear. And it's probably the scariest verse in the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But why? But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. That's the one that will enter. But why? Look at verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus lays out some pretty clear stuff, doesn't he? And I want to get to that last portion, but let's lay a little groundwork first. Jesus lays out here in this section a clear application of the gospel that he's been preaching. He's been again and again and again and again pointing out to you and pointing out to me that if our eyes don't go up first, they will never go in and out appropriately. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus. What did he say? I never what? Knew you. What's he saying? You, you and I did not have a relationship. Because what's true of this? Fruit is not, is not the result of activity, is it? Where does fruit come from? Being connected to the vine. The branch doesn't produce that fruit on its own activity and power. It comes by being directly connected to a source of life. And so good trees, Jesus says, produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. Listen, let me say it this way. Watch a person's life long enough and you will know who they are. What is the fruit? If the fruit that comes forth in time is controversy and destroyed relationships and problems and difficulty and meanness and you fill in the blank. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Jesus says the tree that is bad gets cut down and burned. Why? Why so harsh if God is love? 
Because worse than just not believing in him is not only not believing in him, but taking others and leading them astray with you. That's why that gets harsher punishment. So watch their life by your fruit, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. What comes out of being around them in your own life? It's important stuff and it's probably particularly important in this technological age, right? Where you can, with the click of a button on your computer, your tablet, your smartphone, your, your watch. I mean, just everywhere you can get any information at any moment all across the world. Beware of that. Beware. That's all true. <laughs> That's all true and it's very important. But then Jesus takes that shift and he turns the attention on you and I. What about you? What about us? What about your life? What does this have to do with you? And probably the biggest theme that rises, am I in or am I out? Because both groups are saying, didn't we do stuff in your name? It's an important question. I think there's two important questions that you and I have to ask here if you're taking notes. Number one, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? What is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, we're learning about what kingdom life is like. What Jesus is producing in his people. None of which can be accomplished without him or the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit. And since nobody's perfect, we start with Jesus. We start with Jesus. Look at Galatians 3.27. It'll be on the screen for you. It says this, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have what? Put on Christ. As many of you who surrendered to Christ are publicly willing to talk about it, have put on Christ. You're clothed in Christ so that when the father looks down at you, he doesn't see you and your sin. He sees Jesus and his righteousness for you. Go a little farther. Galatians chapter five, verse six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything. That doesn't mean a whole lot to you and I, but it was an outward act. It was a religious ceremony. It was an act. And Paul's simply saying that. That has nothing to do with whether you are in or out of the family of God. We could bring that into today and talk about a million different things. It doesn't matter how many service projects you do. It doesn't matter how much Bible time you read. It doesn't matter any of that. But what counts? Faith working through love. What is the fruit? The fruit of a life that is connected to Jesus is faith. And it's worked out, it's shown through love. And so here in our text, Jesus is saying that there's tons of people that are going to come before him and say, Lord, Lord, and start to list out their own accomplishments. And some of them are legit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've not cast any demons out last week. And that's real. It doesn't, it, Jesus doesn't say you're lying. That never happened. Apparently it happened. It just wasn't God. Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Why is that not the will of the Father? Because what do they say? You have to read what they actually say. They said, didn't who do? 
didn't we do many mighty works? No. God did. And so this idea that Jesus is interested in my accomplishments is completely blown apart right here. He's not interested in you bringing him your list of accomplishments when you stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. At the end of all of this, it's not what he's interested in. It makes sense here because, we'll go back to our illustration, fruit on the vine is not the product of yours and mine activity. Fruit is the result of being connected to the vine. A life-giving source. Jesus tells us in John 15 that he alone is the true vine. Why did he have to tell us that he's the true vine and not just a vine? Because we find vines everywhere, don't we? I'm going to plug into this and get some life. I'm going to plug into that and get what I want. I'm going to plug into this and get what I want. And you can fill in the blank. Your, your kids, your family, your job, your wealth, your car, your relationships. We could go on and on and on and on. And they can be good things. Serving the Lord, doing things in his name. We, we, could, we could list forever. And Jesus is simply saying that that will not bring you life. Because he's the true vine. We're prone to counterfeits. But look at John 15, verse 4 and 5. It'll be on the screen again. Here's what Jesus says is the key. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears just a little bit of fruit. That's not what he says. What does he say? That you would bear what? Much fruit. Tons of fruit. Why? For apart from me, you can do Nothing. Is anybody interested today in bearing a whole lot more fruit in their life than they are right now? You can raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. Now looking around in this COVID life and I'm going, I don't see a whole lot of fruit. I've spent a whole lot more time with my family. That's good fruit. I've also wasted some time. Can I get an amen in church? Anybody wasted time? Yeah. We're prone to fake vines. This is a fake vine looks good, doesn't it? Man, that thing has never wilted ever. I've never watered it. It's because it's fake. It looks good, but it's dead. Come on. So then we don't need the fruit of our own activity. We need the fruit of being connected to Jesus. We need the fruit of being connected to Jesus. And when that happens daily, then we begin to recognize more and more of our need for him. And that's when we will produce naturally what scripture in Galatians calls the fruit of the spirit. Not the fruit of your activity. The fruit of the spirit's activity in your heart and mind working itself out in love. That is life. Things like love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The lifelong pursuit of being connected to Jesus. That is what we're after. Because if you will pursue Jesus 
All those other things are going to happen. But if you pursue those things, you will totally miss Jesus. Because that's a long list. I mean, look at it. Do you love everybody? Are you always joyful? Do you always have peace? Are you always patient and kind and good and gentle and totally (laughs) self-controlled? No. But what can I do? I can every day connect back to Jesus. As soon as I blow it, what what am I able to do? Suddenly produce self-control in that moment? No. But what can I do when I blow it? I can connect back to Jesus. Right? What does 1 John 1, 9 tell us? That he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he never... The sin you can't forget is the one God can't remember, by the way. Maybe one of you just needed to hear that today. This is not easy. It's difficult. Not all your neighbors are going to think that's awesome. Not all your coworkers are going to think that's awesome. Can I let you know a little secret? Not everybody in church is going to think that's awesome. Because we're prone to those counterfeits and there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And you should just know that. So let me end this way. Really straightforward. How do you remain, because that's what abide means, it means to remain, it means to be around constantly. How do you abide with Jesus every day? How do you remain close to Jesus? There's stuff all around you right now that can help you do that. Let Let me ask you this. If there's something that you really want to do, how do we make sure that happens in life? We get this out and we schedule it, don't we? If you want to go to a concert, what do you do? You get this out and you schedule it. You buy the ticket. You, you take action on the right thing, right? If you want to spend time with somebody, what do you do? You schedule it. Why, when it comes to our relationship with God, are we not willing to schedule it? You will not intentionally produce anything that you are unintentional about. (laughs) I do it every day, I promise. Get to the end of the day, man, I don't think I, I, I'm a pastor, did I read my Bible today? You can always do the things that mean the most to you. We can. And that's that's not me being mean to you, that's me giving you hope. The beauty of this is that Jesus remembers nothing in the past that he's already forgiven. So right now, you can change that habit. That's the grace of God in your life. That no matter what has been happening right now, you can change that. Let me give you three thoughts on how you can change that right now. I want you to write these down. Okay? Number one. Start your day with Jesus. Start your day with Jesus. Don't start it with your phone. Don't start it with coffee. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit to help us on that, right? Start your day with Jesus. Let let the first thing that you do be Jesus. It's going to change the rest of your morning. It will. Start with Jesus. I I mean... If you're new to this, it's five minutes. It's ten minutes. Read a verse. Push play on a worship song. 
all that counts. That's quiet time with God. And if you've not been doing it, start there. Don't be like, all right, let's sit down for three hours today. I'm just going to keep reading. You'll be asleep in three. Okay. Let let the the fruit of the spirit well up inside of you as you look to Jesus, as you connect to the vine. Start your day with Jesus. If you've been doing that and you're more of a mature Christian, longer. Number two, schedule break time with Jesus. Right? When you go to work, you make sure you have break time, don't you? Now, when's, when's my lunch break? It's important. Right? Schedule break time with Jesus. This is three minutes. This is in the middle of your morning, pushing play on a worship song. Jump on YouTube and pull up your favorite worship song and watch people worship the Lord. Simple. Simple. Because... Connecting back to the vine is not about your activity. It's about receiving life from Jesus. It's going to reframe your mind. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your affection on things above. It doesn't say you'll just trip and fall into it. It says set it. Set it. Set your affection What are the things that make you feel close to Jesus? Go walk on the beach. Go stand in the ocean. Make the time. Schedule time with Jesus. Start your day. Schedule break time. And number three, end your day with Jesus. End your day with Jesus. This is five minutes. Pray and then do this. This is where it's different. You expected me to say pray. (laughs) I want you to pray. But when you're done praying... How about this? How about you get a little notepad or something, anything, a three by five card, and write one sentence of what you're thankful for that God showed up in your life that day. We have to reframe, we have to reprogram the way we're thinking because we've been in a pandemic, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of question marks, there's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of uncertainty. So what do we do? We go back to the vine. The one thing that the Bible says has been the same yesterday is the same today and will be the same forever. No matter what happens to you in this life, the one thing that will always be the same is your Savior. Amen? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you need us to help you with that, jump on growth track. Let's figure out what your spiritual gift is. Let's talk about how God's wired you to be uh, ripe for service in his kingdom, that you might be ripe fruit at work in the world. It's very easy to do. Let's get about his business. We have city groups coming up. You need people around you. The Bible says that confessing your sins to God will give you forgiveness. But, but bringing other people around you in those struggles is what will bring you healing. Let's get back to the things that we know will connect us to the vine. Remain in me and I in you. Then you will bear much fruit. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's the most simple things. That have the greatest return. Amen. Let's pull an audible here. Kevin, would you come back up and just lead us in that chorus of that last song that we sang? And just think about what it means to be at peace with God.
That word amen is, is a word of agreement. That as we have listened to his word, let's just take a step of faith, right? It says faith working itself through love. So right now, no matter where you're at, maybe you don't know Jesus. Today's the day. Let's surrender our life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says it's extremely simple that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead, you will be saved. There's no magical prayer. You don't have to do what I do. You you just tell him right there at your phone, right there at your computer screen, right here in the room. Just tell him if you do know Christ, let's get back to those three things. Let's start our day with Jesus. Let's spend time with him through the day and let's end our day being thankful for him and what he's doing in the world. Let's get back to those simple things. Kevin, why don't you lead us and then you can dismiss us when you're done. Come on, church, let's stand and sing this out in agreement with the word of God.